right, guys. Well, good morning. As you can tell, it is uh, Vacation Bible School week. Uh, if you couldn't tell by all the decorations, you'll start seeing the t-shirts. Uh, all we ask is 100% particip- participation from those of you that are here, okay? It's not, just a low bar. No, so really, there's, uh, there's two ways you can serve. We've got about 100 volunteers already, and uh, there's still a couple spots that you could fill in, and you could volunteer and do some things, uh, although we, you, you, at this point, it, you kind of have to be background checked and all those kind of things. Uh, so if, if you've already been background checked and you're not serving anywhere, we can plug you in. But the other way you can serve us, guys, is just pray for us every night this week. So we start tonight, and, uh, and, and tonight we're going we're gonna to have 150 kids show up, and we're going to start telling them all about uh, the goodness of God, that even though life is hard, God is good. Even though life is crazy, God is good. And, and that's going to be our theme kind of all week is talking about the goodness of God. And so you could pray for us this week. That would be huge for us. And so start tonight. Uh, it starts at 630, and, uh, and, and be praying. Lord, pray for every kid that walks through these doors that they might hear the gospel. And we know uh, in church life, when we talk about statistics, uh, that the majority of people that accept Christ do so before the age of 18. And so these years when we have these young children here hearing the gospel, this is really, really, really important and transformative in their life. And so please pray for us this week, okay? That's my little plug there for Vacation Bible School. Um, Guys, if you have your Bibles, I'm in two places. I'm in Isaiah chapter 61. Uh, Isaiah chapter 61. And then we're also going to be in Luke chapter 19. And so uh, Isaiah 61 and Luke 19. And I, I think... Uh, you'll find those places helpful to you. Uh, it'd be helpful if I had my Bible in Isaiah 61. Uh, but guys, we started last week a brand new series um, called The Kingdom of God. Called The Kingdom of God. And, and I said, you know, hey, listen, our goal is to talk about the kingdom of God as much this summer as, as uh, the, the New Testament does. The New Testament mentions the kingdom of God 160 times. 160 times. The majority of those times, Jesus is the one talking about it. And yet, though Jesus talked about the kingdom of God that much, uh, we as a church and, and the church globally, it seems like the church rarely ever talks about the kingdom of God. And so our hope in this summer uh, sermon series called The Kingdom of God is to rediscover what the kingdom of God is, how we fit into it, and why all of that is so important in our understanding for life. And so uh, this morning, that's what we hope to recapture, and we're going to pick up where we left off. Join me in word of prayer, if you don't mind. Father, um, thank you for your goodness and for your love. Thank you for your word, which we know is true. But God, most of all, thank you for your son. Because, what we just sang, because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was shed as a sacrifice for our sins, we can now be called sons and daughters of God. And God, we say thank you. Holy Spirit, um, we say that you're welcome here. We, in fact, invite you to come and take your proper place in this church as our teacher and our guide. And we pray that you would reveal to us the truth of Scripture so that we might be changed from the inside out. Many of us this morning have walked in the doors not even knowing that we have misunderstood your kingdom. And because we've misunderstood your kingdom, some of us have been frustrated by the way life has gone. But by the power of your spirit this morning, God, I pray that you would step out of heaven and into our hearts right now and that you would teach us the truth about your kingdom so that, so that by our new understanding, we might embrace what it means to be a child of God. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. 
so guys, last week we started defining uh, what this kingdom of God is. Said, hey, if we're going to spend 12 weeks talking about the kingdom of God, we better start by defining what the kingdom of God is. And I said, you know, our goal is to define what the kingdom of God is based on the full counsel of Scripture, or, or, or from basically from Genesis to Revelation. What, what does the Bible say the kingdom of God is? And, and that's really a, a huge um, span to try to grasp what, what, what is the kingdom of God. And so I said, there's two words when studying the kingdom of God, trying to define the kingdom of God. There's two words that are really helpful, and they both start with R. Does anybody remember the first one? We talked about it last week. Rain, rain, God's rain. And, and so primarily, when you study the Bible, when you see the phrase, the kingdom of God, whether it's in Hebrew, in the Old Testament, or Greek, in the New Testament, primarily the word that you see when it's referring to the kingdom of God has to do with the reign or the rule of God, right? And so last week we said um, God is, is eternal, right? And, and God is creator, and, and basically God who created everything, he gets to rule over everything. So when you hear the kingdom of God, it's talking about God's authority to reign over everything. And so we talked about God reigns over us last week. That's why that's important that, that, that the kingdom means God's reign. But I also said there's a second R that's very helpful in understanding the kingdom of God. Anybody remember that one? Realm. Man, I got a star student here this morning. That's awesome. Some of you are like, I don't remember. Uh, the second R word that is helpful when understanding the kingdom of God is realm, right? Because God reigns over a realm, over a realm. And so uh, that's what we're going to talk about starting this morning. Uh, and, and this is where it gets interesting, if, if, if I'm being honest, because the Bible actually talks about God reigning over us in two different realms, okay? In two different realms. It speaks of God's reign being manifested in both a future realm, okay, that is yet to come, and his reign being manifested in our present realm. In this present realm, this, this present age. And, and if uh, anybody that just gets a little foggy up here, the thought of that, because it does for me, uh, I want to provide you kind of with this quote from John Piper. I just think it's helpful when he's talking about the kingdom of God. This is what he says. This kind of it, it maybe help you make sense of what we're talking about. He says, many of its blessings talking about the kingdom of God are here to be enjoyed now, okay? But many of them are not yet here, okay? Some of the kingdom's power is available now, but not all of it. Some of the curse and the misery of the old age can be overcome now by the presence of the kingdom, right? But some of it cannot be. The decisive battle against sin and Satan and sickness and death has been fought and won by the king in his death and resurrection, but the war's not over. But the war's not over. And, and so uh, as we continue defining what exactly the kingdom of God is, uh, this morning I'm going to talk about one of those realms, the one that we're, we probably think about most of all when we think about the realm of the kingdom. I'm going to talk about the future realm or the coming realm of the kingdom of God with you this morning. So three things I want you to know that the Bible says about this coming kingdom of God. Number one, all right, uh, here it is. God's promised us. God has promised a future age when his kingdom will come and all things will be set right, okay? God has promised a future age when his kingdom will come and all things will be set right. And I just want to go back to, to last week for a second. And so we said uh, that God is, is eternal. He, he's eternal God. And at some point in eternity that God began to create, right? God chose to create. And we call that the beginning, not because it's the beginning of God, because God's eternal, but it's the beginning of, of all of creation. And so God speaks into being the heavens and the earth and, and the sky and the sea and, and dry land, right? And, and, and there's, there's plants and vegetation and 
and, 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 and the sea is teeming with life, and the air is teeming with life, and the earth is teeming with life. And God makes everything that we see and everything we don't see. And, and the Bible said it was very good. Right? It was very good. It, it, it was right. That's another way to say that. It was right. It was, it was, it was extremely right. And, and so in that, all of that, God, God made man in his own image. And he, and he said, hey man, I want you to have dominion. I want you to rule over everything that you see. Okay, And I have one rule. Ready? Don't eat from this tree in the middle of the garden, uh, the tree of knowledge. Because if you eat from it, you're going to die. Okay? Now there's a serpent. He's crafty, the devil. And he shows up and he tempts Adam and Eve. He says, listen, God's holding out on you. <laughs> Just think about that for a second. You have everything you could ever want. And you get one little lie. God's holding out on you. And you're like, oh, goodness. Wait a second. There's more? There's more? And so Satan says, hey, God's holding out on you. And so listen, Adam and Eve in that moment decided that they cared more about being like God than they did being with God. And so they sinned. And they were cast out of the garden, right? And so when you're separated from God, you're separated from his life. Um, death is now going to enter the world. God kills an animal to cover their nakedness and their shame. But then they too are going to die because they're no longer in the presence of God. And they, they don't have access to the tree of life anymore. And so death enters the world just like God said it would. And, and in addition to that, not just as death is a curse, but all of creation is cursed, the Bible says. Now, now it's hard to work the ground. It used to be easy. Now, childbirth stinks, right? It used to be easy. Uh, and, and, and life is just hard. And, and, and the Bible declares that all of creation is cursed in that moment. But in that same moment, when the curse is, is revealed, so too is a promise. See, in that very moment, God makes a promise. On, on humanity's worst day, God says a day is coming, a future day, when all things will be set right. A day is coming when the seed of a woman, okay, is going to come uh, to, to, to earth and he's going to crush the head of this serpent and all this bad stuff is going to be done away with. That's in Genesis 3, uh, verse 15, I believe. I think that's what it says right there, right? I'll put hostility between um, you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He's going to strike your head, but you will strike his heel. And so that's the very first promise of God. God says, hey, listen, I'm going to send a deliverer to set all things right. Then God shows up again later in the book of Genesis, and he makes another promise to a guy named Abram, okay? So, and this is what he says to Abram. He says, I will make you extremely fruitful, and I'm going to make nations and kings come from you. But he's like, Abram, you got to live the way that I tell you to live. you got to go where I tell you to go. And, and, and even though you're fatherless, I'm going to make you the father of many nations, and kings and kingdoms are going to come from you, Abram, okay? Your descendants are going to reign over kingdoms. Now, to one of those descendants, a young man named David, God speaks yet another promise. And this is what he says in 2 Samuel, right? He says, when your time comes, uh, and, and, and you rest with your fathers, I'm going to raise up after you your descendant who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom for how long? Forever. Forever. Of course, this prophecy is initially, by the way, when you deal with prophecy in the Old Testament, there's, always a, there's usually an initial fulfillment. Initially, this is fulfilled in Solomon. Ultimately, this is fulfilled in Christ Jesus, okay? Ultimately, this is fulfilled in Christ Jesus. So God, the, the, moment that, the moment that the curse enters the world, God makes a promise and says, someone is coming to overthrow all of this and to set it all right. That is the promise of 
God. And of course, the Old Testament is chalked full of, of prophecies pointing to the establishment of this everlasting kingdom. And so if you've got your Bibles, I'm in Isaiah 61, starting in verse 1. And the word of God says this, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is on me, because the Lord God has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair, and they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord God to glorify Him. And so... When Jesus shows up on the scene and he enters the synagogue in his whole hometown of Nazareth and he walks up and he picks up the scroll of Isaiah. I'm in Luke 4. I've got it here on the screen. And he reads these words from the scroll of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release of the captives and the recovery of the sight of the blind. To set free the oppressed. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Right? And he says that. And then he follows that with this in verse 21. Today as you listen, the scripture has been fulfilled. Then the people that hear Jesus say that, and us even as readers of that text today are are left to go, okay, the king, yeah, man, Jesus is here, and he's doing kingdom stuff, right? I mean, blind people are receiving their sight, and and, and the poor are are now children, like, like we're going, the kingdom is here, it's, it's come, it's, Jesus even says that in, in, in Luke 17, 17, 21, he says, he says, the kingdom of God is not coming with something observable, no one will say, see here or there, for you see, the kingdom of God is in your midst, and so Jesus says those things, but if we read on just a bit, and so, so turn with me just a couple chapters further than Luke 17. I'm in Luke 19. Uh, in Luke 19, usually I'm good about marking these things. I'm just going to turn with you. We'll feel like we're all together in this. Luke 19, starting verse 11. Luke 19, starting verse 11. It says this, it says, as they were listening to this, he went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem. And listen, and they thought the kingdom of God was going to appear right away. So Jesus is going to tell a parable. And he's telling a parable with a purpose. And, and the reason why he's telling the parable is because he's been doing these signs. He's been doing the stuff that Isaiah talked about. And he's near Jerusalem. And the Jews are starting to think, you're the king. We're going we're gonna to make you the king. You're going to overthrow uh, Caesar. Like, this is going to be it. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is coming. And, and so to the people that are thinking this, Jesus is going to tell them a parable to explain further the kingdom of God. And so it says in verse 12, Therefore he said to them, A a nobleman traveled to a far country to receive for himself authority to be king and then to return. And he called ten of his servants and and gave them ten uh, ten minas. And and he told them, engage in this business until I come back. And and then it's going to go on. And and when you read the whole thing, the point of the whole parable, though, is this. The nobleman had to go away for a long period of time before he came back. And what Jesus is saying to the disciples is, listen, listen. This kingdom of God I've been talking about, and and, and its fulfillment, which is what you guys are looking for. Uh, By the way, does that not speak of humanity? Aren't we always looking for fulfillment? He says the fulfillment of the kingdom, which is what you're looking for, is still a long way off. Jesus shows up and and he says, listen, behold, the kingdom is here. 
but it's not yet fulfilled. That fulfillment is still a long way off, right? Here's the deal. So what, what is it? Is the kingdom here or is it a long way off? And here's the answer, ready? It's both. The kingdom of God is manifested in two realms that overlap one another, okay? So here's what we think about. We, we want to think, okay, so, so uh, we're in this age and then there's, there's going to be a time, there's going to be a new, a new age, okay? And it would make sense to us if the kingdom would just come here in the new age. Because the Bible talks about that. There'll be a new age, new kingdom, new rules, all things set right. But here's the deal. When Jesus came, he invaded, get this, the kingdom of God invaded the present age. All right? So, so from here to here is the present age. From, from here to there is the future age. And when Jesus came, he actually invaded the present age. He invaded it. And so the kingdom of God manifested still in, in both the, the present age and the future age, but, but it overlaps. It overlaps. And so, so we get to see some of it now, but, but not all of it. So Jesus shows up. He says, I'm here. This is kingdom stuff. It's happening. Okay? But I want you to know that it is a long way coming. Okay? The kingdom of God will come. It'll be fully manifested. Okay? It's going to be fulfilled. We're going to get that fulfillment. Listen, and here's that fulfillment in case you, you haven't read to the end of the book. Ready? Satan will be chained. Sickness will be cured. Sin will be subjugated. And death will be defeated. That's how it ends. When the king returns. When the king returns. Okay? That's the first point. God promises. By, by the way, uh, some of your Bible translations, the, word, the reason I'm using the word age we have a tendency to think about the kingdom of God in, in reference of worlds or places. Okay, we think about it in places. I've, I've been using the word realm, right, or, or age, because it's really not a, a different world. It's not just that, a, a, yes, God will create, you know, he'll make the, the earth new. Like that's going to be our heaven experience, right? But, but it's really talking about times and, and ages. And I'll prove that to you here in a second, okay? So, uh, second point, second point. Here we go. The age we are currently living in is not God's promised future age of glory. This is a big deal. God promises a future age when all things will be set right. This age we're in ain't that. Okay? It's not that. And I don't want you, the people that get confused about this are the people that really struggle in life. And so God promises a, a future age when all things will be set right. This is not that future age. Okay? And, and, and so another way to say that is, is to say that the age that we're living in is not the age of glory, it's the age of grace, okay? And I, I want to explain that to you. Jesus has come, okay? The, the kingdom has invaded the, the present age, so we have a tendency, well, well, this is glory. No, no, this is grace. So the kingdom has come, and though we are enemies of God, uh, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we're being reconciled to God, we're being made right with God, right? Sinners are, 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 are now being saved. Men's sins are no longer being counted against them. The kingdom of God has, is open wide for all who believe now. Amen. That's awesome, right? That, that, that's really, really good stuff. This is the age of grace. But hear me, this is not the kingdom that is to come. This isn't the age that is to come. In fact, the Bible says that this age, this age where we are, that we're living in, remember the, the kingdom has invaded, okay? And so, so this age we're living in, ready? It actually says that it's an age of evil. 
It's an age, we're living in an age of evil. It's an age of grace, but it's an age of evil. Listen to how Paul describes it, Galatians 1, 3 through 4. He says, grace to you and peace from God, uh, the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave us Uh, who gave himself for our sins, ready, to rescue us from what? This present, this is is the present what age? Evil age. So Jesus invaded this age. The kingdom of God invaded this age to rescue us from the evil of this present age. That's why Jesus came. Okay, it's a big deal. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, all of us belong in this evil age, and we were at once enemies of God, and we followed the ruler of the kingdom of the air, is, is what Paul writes in Ephesians 2. And then he just simplifies it all in 2 Corinthians by writing this. He says, in their case, talking about all those without Christ, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We are living in an evil age. Listen, God reigns. God's reigning. But God in his infinite wisdom, in his plan for ultimate redemption, has allowed little g, that's not a big g, little g, Satan is the little g God of this age. When you look around and you go, man, all this sin, man, all this strife, all this sickness. What is, what is going on? Where is God? God's reigning. God's, God's allowing Satan to have a, a period of influence as, as God begins to harvest his true children, right? And, and, and an end to all this is coming. An end to all this is coming. But we're not there yet. We're not yet. So the kingdom of God has been inaugurated. Okay? But this age we're living in, this, this isn't the age to come. Don't confuse yourself. Which brings me to the last point. Last point, right? <clears throat> because of Jesus, the powers of the age to come have penetrated this present age, and we can now get a taste of the glory that is to come. Okay? Because of Jesus, the powers of the age to come have penetrated the present age so that we can get a taste of what is to come. All right? And uh, I, I don't want to say a ton here because this is really the sermon for next week and the 10 weeks after that, all right? So, because we're going to spend most of our time talking about the present kingdom that we live in and, and, and how awesome it is that we get to live under this age of grace and, and what that means for our lives. And we're going to spend a lot of time kind of camping out there and how do, how do we get into the kingdom and why is it so difficult here right now in the present age. So we're going to camp out here over the next 10 weeks. But, but, but we do need to say uh, this, right? Is, is what we're experiencing now and why all the confusion happens is because when Jesus came, the power of the future kingdom of God. The power of the future realm of God invaded the present evil age, right? And and in the midst of the present evil age, we now get the blessings of the future. We get some of those blessings now. We get a taste now. We get a taste now. And, and, And hear me. Hear me. Praise God for this, right? Listen, I know it's easy to get frustrated with the fact that the kingdom is not fully here yet. Amen? Anybody else? Anybody else? Right? It it is easy to get frustrated that the kingdom of God has not fully been consummated, that we still face death and disease and divorce and division. Like, it is easy to grow weary. But friend, I want to implore you, please don't 
forsake the privilege that it is to be on this side. Because there are men and women that went before us that did not have this privilege. They didn't get a taste. Right? They, they, they didn't get a, a taste. Because of Jesus, we get a glimpse of, of glory. We get the glimpse now. Because of Jesus, we get a taste of the feast. And we, we get that now. And some people go, well, that's, that's not enough. Like, like almost like a taste isn't real, right? But I want to say this to you. Like, listen, if you are wandering in the desert, brother, and, and somebody shows up out of nowhere, and, and you are starving, and you're dying, and somebody shows up with a taste, brother, you're going to press on. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is what you need to go, you know what? I'm going to keep walking. If I know, if I know that the feast is coming, then I'm going to press on. If I can get a glimpse of the glory now, then I've got the gumption to keep going through the difficulties of life. And that's why it's important. This is a great blessing that we get a taste. But I want to say, it is still just that. It's a taste. And so there's a lot of confusion that happens because of all this. And so uh, I told you, my, my goal in all this is, guys, if we start to understand the kingdom of God, is I, I want to answer a question every week. And that question is, why does this matter for me? Why, why, did, why does the truth matter for me? And so this week, if we're talking about the, the future kingdom of God, you say, why does it matter that God is eventually coming to set things right? Okay. If I can't experience all that now, why does that matter? And, and so here's the, the first reason I would give you. Uh, the first reason why this matters is, is for the sake of hope, right? I mean, hey, we go to application, like, like, because we can have hope. That, that's why this matters. That's why it, it, it's important. The long-promised kingdom of God that God promised starting in Genesis 3, and then he says to Abram, hey, uh, kings and kingdoms are coming from you. And then he says to David, hey, one after you uh, that's going to belong to your line, it, his kingdom is going to be established, and it's going to be an eternal kingdom. That promise that we track all the way from the Old Testament until Jesus shows up on the scene, that, that promised kingdom where God will reign over all things, and death will be defeated, and Satan will be, uh, will be, will, will be you know, changed, and all that, like that is coming. And the proof that that's coming is the resurrection of Jesus, the fact that there was an empty tomb. Everybody asks Jesus, what is, what is proof? And, and Jesus says, man, I'm not gonna give you another sign except for the sign of Jonah on the third day. On the third day, the son of man is gonna rise from the dead, right? And, and so it, that, that's proof for us. And, and here's the deal. We get further proof beyond the empty tomb, which can't be disproved, because it actually happened. And here's, here's why this is, don't think about this as two worlds. This stuff is happening in real time. Okay, Jesus really came in history. The kingdom of God, the future glory of God, really invaded human history. And, and, and historians can point to the fact that there was an empty tomb for Jesus of Nazareth. Okay, and, and so the kingdom of God is invaded and the empty tomb is proof that it is real, that Jesus is returning and that when he comes back, he sets all things right. And, and friends, what that says is we can have hope that no matter how hard this life is, right? It is hard. Some of you have gone through some hard things. Some of you are in the midst of some hard things. But you know what? You can have hope. Take heart, Jesus says, for I have overcome the world. We will overcome. So, so the first reason all this matters, that there is a future, right, is, is because we can have hope. Now, here's the second reason why this matters for you. Because if you get this wrong, 
and you misunderstand the future aspects of the kingdom, and you mistake them with the present aspects of the kingdom, if, if you get this mixed up, you are going to be deeply disappointed and disillusioned. Right? Okay, listen. Do not be disillusioned. Some of you here are frustrated with God. And you're frustrated with God because the cancer came back. Right? You're frustrated with God because the marriage isn't easy and, and isn't clicking the way that it should be. You're frustrated with God because that person that you cared about the most walked out on you. You're frustrated with God because that job isn't working out. You're frustrated with God because life is really, really hard. And, and, and hear me, I, I want to love you for a moment but I, I want to love you enough to just speak some truth into your life. Here is what I have found in my life is that most of the time when I'm frustrated with God, it is not God that's at fault. It's me that not, listen, not just that I've done something, it's usually that I have misunderstood the promises of God. And when it comes to the kingdom of God, I find too many Christians that mistake all of the future promises of God. There will be no more death. There'll be no more disease. Right? Satan will be bound, and, and, and they, they think that that fulfillment is supposed to be going on right now. And so when they don't, when the, when the healing doesn't come, then they get disillusioned with God. They're going, God, where are you? You said I could pray for your kingdom to come. Your kingdom is not here. I don't understand. Where are you, God? And they just get upset, and they get frustrated. What I'm here to, to, to tell you today, I, I pray this is freeing. Maybe your frustration has nothing to do with God, but it actually has to do with your misunderstanding of the future kingdom of God. Because that's when the freedom comes. That's when death is done away with. That's when Satan and, 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 and his uh, ability to affect us is, is chained and destroyed. That's when that happens. We get glimpses now. Hear, hear me. You know what? We, there is, healing happens now by the grace of God. Sometimes now in the present age, in the evil age, sometimes now just by the grace and the goodness, sometimes healing does happen. But that's a glimpse of future glory. That's a glimpse. And that's all it's meant to be. It's meant to be a taste to help you get through. Do not be disillusioned, brothers and sisters. Do not grow weary. Do not misunderstand the future aspect of the kingdom of God. You got it? Does it make sense? So yeah. Okay. All right. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us enough to be here. Uh, I just pray this morning, uh, just kind of to uh, the best of our abilities, God, that supernaturally we might understand what you're doing. Some of us in this room walked in and we fit the bill of what we just talked about. We have become disillusioned and disappointed in, in, in the fact, like we, we get taste of the feast now and yet we're disappointed because the whole feast isn't here. And yet you never promised that the whole thing would be here until you return. You told us it's going to be a long time. I've got to go away. And yet sometimes we're still frustrated. Jesus by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you minister to our hearts right now? Like right now, would you begin to change our hearts from the inside out? Right now, would you begin to change our minds from the inside out? Right now, would you begin to help us understand what, what the great blessing of the future kingdom is, that we might have hope in it, but also that in understanding what is coming, 
that we would see the blessings that we get right now, that these, these kingdoms, your reign, right? Your reign uh, intersects these two realms. And God, while we live in this middle place, in this present age, where, where Satan is, is uh, the, the Bible says, the, the little G God of this age, would you help us see that you are greater, that you are stronger, that you are better? And would you help us turn to you? God, don't let us be disappointed so much that we don't run to your throne. Change our hearts in ways that only you can. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Guys, last thing I would share with you is what I shared with you last week. Uh, when Jesus shows up on the scene in Mark chapter one and he begins to preach, he says, uh, you have to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand or the kingdom of heaven is near. And so listen, the reality of the kingdom demands a response. It just does. If the kingdom of God is real, and it is, and the kingdom of God has invaded this current age, and it has, and the kingdom of God is still coming, and it is, it demands a response from you. And so if you're here this morning, and just in your heart, you could agree, you don't have to raise your hands because I don't want to call you out this morning, but in your heart, you would agree, I've been a little disillusioned with the promises of God before. I'm one of those people. You just, in your spirit, you could just admit that. There's been times that I've been frustrated with God because I wanted the stuff that he only promised over here and I want it now because I've gotten glimpses of it and I want more, right? It's like a kid in a candy store, isn't it? You walk into a candy store and you get your first, you get your first, does anybody remember the first time they had candy? Anybody? You know what, anybody really? Show of hand, anybody remember the first time ever? Right? I, I like, I like, this is why I like to ask my old timers because sometimes like they walked into to a candy shop, you know, barber shop, or something, they got a piece of rock candy and it cost them a penny and, and they're like, oh, and, and then, you know, and then all their teeth fell out because that's what they, they spend it on every time. I, like, like it's, it's hard, it's hard to remember. I, I don't remember the first time I, I gave my kid like a lick of a lollipop, but I do remember that that child craves candy ever since. Right? Listen, the future kingdom is good. Its blessings are great. But Jesus said they would be a long way off. The fulfillment of that would be a long way off. Do not mistake the goodness of God. Guys, we, we don't deserve the taste. You follow me? We, we don't deserve the taste. We don't de- Listen, heaven's gates are open wide now. Now. Now we get a taste. Now we can become children of God. Now. Now we can be free from the power of Satan over our life. Now! And yet we're frustrated with God because we're not living then yet. And so if you're here this morning, I'm just going to ask you to join me in a very, like I know we just prayed at the end of stuff, just a special prayer. If you've ever struggled with this frustration, this tension between these two kingdoms, if that's where you are now, again, Jesus shows up and he says, I think the same words to us, repent, right? Just repent. The kingdom of heaven demands a response. And so uh, this morning, I think the, the, the reality of the future of this kingdom and the present of this kingdom and that tension, I think it demands a response. And so I'm gonna ask you where you are uh, to bow your heads one more time. And where you are, if you've ever struggled with this, being frustrated with the kingdom, where you are, I just want you to pray this prayer with me, okay? Just kind of bow your heads. We, we can pray together. Just say, dear God, forgive me. God, I am sorry that I have misunderstood the reality of your kingdom. I've mistakenly thought that all of those future blessings 
are meant to be mine fully now, even though your word has declared over and over that I just get a taste now. God, would you set my spirit right, my understanding right? Would you eliminate these frustrations that I've carried that have come in between me and you? God, forgive me. I love you. Thank you. I'm going to come with a grateful heart, not with a heart that is frustrated or angry at you. Because now I see. I was blind, but God, now I see what your kingdom is all about. Thank you for letting me get a taste now and help me deal and help me wait and strengthen my hope for what is to come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.